All right, well, good morning, New Life Church. So great to see you guys. Let's draw our attention to the screen for our Christmas opening today. Awesome. Who's excited that we are now entering into this season of Advent? Amen. I know Thanksgiving kind of seemed to me to sneak up on me. I think due in part to all the election, political things that were going on, it kind of stole our time. And, uh, but nonetheless, Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, a peaceful Thanksgiving, a very filling Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I had a, a trip on Thanksgiving. Uh, it was literally, it was fun, uh, but uh, but I had a little had a little fall. Uh, just in case you uh, keep from so many questions, uh, just uh, had a quick uh, little short knee accident playing football. Uh, I got to play on a collegiate field, which was awesome, uh, but uh, I don't like the collegiate injuries that I got. So uh, uh, praying for a very quick and speedy recovery uh, to not be down and out. Uh, as you know, uh, I have three children, young, and I don't want my wife to be a single mom for a few weeks. So, uh, so anyway, I appreciate the prayers of, of friends who have already stopped by the house and prayed for me, prayed for me this morning. I appreciate your faith for me, builds my faith, encourages my heart and my soul. And so thank you, continue to, to believe for that. Uh, which, that's what today's about as we enter this season. It's about hope, the gifts of Christmas one of those being the gift of hope. And um, let, let me invite you to turn with me to, to, the, to the scriptures today. Uh, the thematic uh, verse for this, uh, for this story today is found in Romans 15, verse 13. And then here in a moment, we're going to look at the traditional story in Luke chapter 2. But let's look at this, Romans 15, verse 13. The Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to gather with a faith family, a people who put faith in Jesus Christ. And today, Father, as we open your word, I pray that our ears will hear, our hearts will receive, and God, our souls and our lives will come into alignment with your will and your purpose for each and every one of us. I pray today as we leave here in a little bit that we will leave with more hope in our hearts. Not just a wishful thinking hope, but a hope that is a guaranteed hope, that is a rock-solid anchored hope that only you can give, a hope that doesn't disappoint, a hope that doesn't discourage, a hope that does not leave us empty, but a hope that fills us and causes us to look up and not down, to reach out and not withhold, a love that conquers all, a love that melts our hearts, that melts away fears, that calms us and reassures us that the gracious hand of the Lord our God is surely upon us. And for that, we are thankful. We say we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody can say amen to that. Praise God. Well, listen, does, does anybody ever feel like Charlie Brown? Not the Charlie Brown that tries to run and kick the football and miss. Some of us might feel like that part of the Charlie Brown. But the Charlie Brown that... This seems in the Christmas special that stands up and shouts, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? With the busyness of this season. And I, and I know it seems like every year things, ads, commercials, events start going earlier and earlier and earlier, even pre-fall uh, season, you know, way back in October. It seems like you start to get this trickle of of, of seasonal ads and things, but it, it becomes so commercialized, and Charlie Brown felt like that. He felt empty. In fact, in, his, in the special, A Charlie Brown Christmas, he, he said to his friends, he said, I just feel empty. I know Christmas is around me. The things of Christmas are happening, but inside I, I don't feel like Christmas is taking place. Anybody ever see the show? Some of you. Some of you remember when it first aired, uh, no finger pointing, Back in 1965, been on the air ever since. Classic TV show, classic, classic show. In fact, it was Coca-Cola that was responsible for helping to get it on the air. Coca-Cola came and said, we were looking for a holiday special to, to sponsor, and we're, we, we want to do something. And So Peanuts, the cartoon, was such a, such a popular cartoon that the uh, ad execs and everyone contacted the, the writer, uh, Charles Schultz, and said, hey, can you put something together? So he and the executives got together and one day drew out an outline, pitched the idea. Coca-Cola loved it. But here's the thing that stands out about A Charlie Brown Christmas is Charles Schultz was adamant that the, the, the Christmas story must be read from the Bible. Of course, that sent 
some red flags into a whole lot of people. And, but nonetheless, he was adamant. He said, this has got to happen. And so that's exactly what happened. And so Charlie Brown is, finds himself in the middle of this story, surrounded by all the trappings of Christmas, yet trying to figure out what is the real meaning of Christmas. Because listen, if, we, if we're not too careful, we can, we'll listen to the wrong thing. And our children will listen to the wrong things. And if we're going to preserve this precious gift of Christ and what he means and what he brings to our life, then we've got to make sure we pass things on and listen to the right thing. Well, it was Charlie Brown's friend, Linus, who said, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. And Charlie Brown's like, really? You know what the true meaning of Christmas is all about? And Linus says, absolutely. Well, in the show, Linus takes center stage and he clears his throat and he says, lights, please. And the lights dim and the spotlight comes on. And he reads, or he quotes, from Luke chapter 2. Take a look at it on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. He said, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven praising God and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And it was in those words, the words of the Lord, the words written in the Holy Scriptures that, that Charlie Brown immediately found hope. His countenance changed. You should watch it. You can buy it now on DVD if you miss it on TV. Watch his countenance change. How the words of the Lord, the words that Christ the Messiah had come, how instantly he was filled with hope. And it's, it's my prayer, not only for all of you, but for myself as well that I not get lost, that we not get lost in the busyness of this season. I know we want to bless people, we want to give to others, but let's make sure first we find ourselves remembering what the true reason for this season is. It's the hope of the gift of Jesus Christ and what he brings in this season called Advent. You know, Advent, what is Advent? We, we talk about it especially at this time of the year, every year. Advent is, is, is a word that, that just means coming or arrival, and it, and it marks the season of expectation, of longing, of anticipation, of awaiting for. And Advent is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. 
And it's, it's an opportunity that, that really is a blessing. That, that as believers, that you and I can take advantage of this season called Advent. That presents us with this opportunity to prepare our hearts and to refocus our vision and our perception on the, the, uh, in, uh, on the story that really it's, it's bigger than our story. It's the story of God's redeeming love that came into this world in the form of a baby lying in a manger. So on this first Sunday of Advent, here's what we're going to do. We're going to unwrap the gift of hope. We're going to look at what it means to look at hope past, hope present, and hope future. Let's take a minute and, and look through that. Hope past. What is the longest that you have found yourself waiting for something? Think about it. Maybe you're, some of you are waiting for a significant other to become saved. Maybe you're just waiting for a, a significant other to just step into your life. Maybe some of you are waiting for your children to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Some other loved ones in your, in your life that you know, season after season and Christmas after Christmas, they're missing out on the greatest gift of all. What's the longest that you found yourself waiting for something? Well, the people of Israel, their life was marked by waiting. They've been waiting for years, hundreds of years. They were waiting for the coming of the Messiah, as it's told here in Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, and it tells us something. In fact, the Old Testament is full of prophecies that point to this. Let's look at a couple of them here, Isaiah seven fourteen. Isaiah prophesied, he said, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. This is what Luke said. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then in Isaiah 9, verse 6, he prophesied, and he said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Prophecies that pointed towards, hey, to, the, to God's people, signs and indicators and reminders that, hey, don't lose heart, don't grow weary, don't stop believing, keep having hope. And so generation after generation after generation had passed, these words were echoed throughout time as a sign and as a reminder that, hey, God has not forgotten you in your time of darkness, in your time of exile, in your time of being out and isolated from where you belong and where you're supposed to be. God is sending signs and he's sending words to you today saying, hang on, hang in there. Keep having hope, believing in the word of God that I will come and I will send my Redeemer, the Messiah. He will come. And so years, hundreds of years, people waiting on the arrival of, of the Messiah. And so they were given this promise, but the promise didn't always make the waiting easy. That's the tough part as humans that we find ourselves in. Waiting on God, waiting on God. You and I, we have situations, we have circumstances going on in our life right now where we find it difficult to wait 
on God. But there's a reason we have to wait on God, because God knows what's best. God knows when we need something, how we need it to be given to us, and how it's to come to pass, because it creates a dependency upon Him as God and not we ourselves. That's why we need Him. Abraham, for instance. You guys know the story of Abraham. Remember the story of Abraham? It starts in Genesis chapter 12. God and Abraham connect. God speaks to Abraham and he tells him, hey, pack up everything you got. Leave the familiar. Leave your family. And just go where I show you to go. Such reassuring direction. I don't know where I'm going, I know, but I do. Think about your life in Abraham's shoes today. God's saying, look, I have a direction for you. I have a purpose for you. And I'm giving you a promise. And God speaks to Abraham. He tells him, look, I'm going to bless you so, so much. You're going you're gonna to create and you're going to have nations. You're going to be the father of nations. And out of your offspring that you will produce. You're going to be the father of nations and the peoples on this earth will fill this world. And, but it's all going to come from you, Abraham. He's like, what? Wow. From me, through me, you're going to do this. And he said, I will bless you so that you will continue to be a blessing. I'll curse those who curse you, but you, I'm going to take care of you because I want to, I want to do something great through your life. And so Abraham follows suit. He, he goes through with that word. He takes off and he carried... Uh, begins this journey of not really knowing where he's going, but trusting that God does, and, and this relationship that he's, you know, discovered and has with the Almighty is, is actually good for him, and it's going to lead him in the right place and get him to where he needs to be. And a few chapters later, by the time you get to Genesis 15, Abraham is struggling in his faith. He, he and God have this interaction again, and Abraham basically says, God, you, what good is a promise if I don't have a son? You said it's going to come through my offspring. Here I am. I don't have a son. At the time of this beginning of this interaction, Abraham was 75 years old. So some time goes by and he's telling God, God, look, if you're going to give me, you give this guarantee and this promise, but I don't see it happening, right? How many of us find ourselves there? Don't be bashful. It's all good. Find ourselves there. God, you said, you said, you said, you promised. You, you, you gave me a word, Lord. You, you spoke through somebody. You opened your scriptures up and gave me some insight. And where is it at? And God says, Abraham, let's, let's take this outside. Let's you and me go out. Well, God didn't rough him up. Here's what God told him to do. Look up. He said, you see all those stars? If you could count those stars, Abraham, that's how many offspring you're going to have. It's impossible to count them and know how many. God reminding him, Abraham, I haven't forgotten you. It's dark in your world, I get it. But hold on because the hope of light is coming. Hold on. Hold on because the hope of light is coming. Well, Abraham gets some reassurance. Oh, feeling good again, God. Thank you so much for that reassurance. Anybody ever feel, you know what I'm talking about? You, you, you struggle in that belief, struggling in having hope, and God comes along, sends somebody along, says a, puts a good preacher in front of you, 
and tells you some good things or, or sends, a, sends a visitor your way, a stranger away, just a little nudge of, insurance, of reassurance, a prophet comes along and then you get your faith built up, but then you, you got to keep going and you keep going. And, and, and then Abraham find, found himself in another place of, of a crossroads and he was like, it's not happening. It's not happening. Eleven years go by. Now Abraham's 86. And he's struggling again in this, in this promise, in his faith, in having hope. And promise was given 11 years ago in his past. 11 years later, there he is. And between he and his wife, between he and Sarah, they talk. And Sarah's like, you know what? You know, just, just take this, our servant, Hagar. Marry her. Take her as your wife. Sleep with her. She'll give you the child you need. So they, Abraham's like, okay, I'll do that. They did that. Produces Ishmael. And, and, and so what they did, they found themselves, again, in a, in a tough spot because that didn't work out. There was conflict within the family. It was complicated. There were some issues going on, some jealousy going on, some strife going on. And, and so they, Hagar and Ishmael are out of the picture, and, and, and there is Abraham wondering, where did I go wrong? You see, Abraham tried to do God's will in his own way. It's one thing to recognize God has a will and a purpose, but it's another to try to do it our way and not God's way. Intent might have been right. Motive might have been right. But the way of going about it was wrong because it bypassed the way God was wanting to show himself and the way God was wanting to bring this thing about. So time goes on. Abraham thinks, man, I've really messed my life up. I've really messed up my destiny. It's, I, 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 there's, there's no way, God, now you're going to honor your promise because I have really, I really botched this one. I dropped the ball on this one, God, and I, I just wouldn't blame you. More time goes on. Abraham is about 99 years old almost. And God visits him and reminds him. In Genesis 17, God says, Abraham, if you will act, my paraphrase, if you will just do life my way, I'll bring about the promises that I have for you. I'll bring around my purpose for your life. But you've got to trust me to just do it my way. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us find ourselves struggling to do God's will, God's purpose, God's way, and not our way? That's where Abraham found himself. But the Lord told him, if you will just trust me, follow my ways, do it my way, I'll bring it around. Okay. You mean I didn't run my destiny? No, you didn't run your destiny. Yeah, you, 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 you tried to do it your way. I get that. You, you made a mistake. You got that. You saw that. It's not great. It happened. But here's the deal. I'm still willing to fulfill my covenant my promise in your life if you will just do life my way and stop thinking you got to do it your way Abraham's like okay all right so let's look at it Genesis 27 will be on the screen excuse me Genesis 21 what happened verse 1 says the Lord kept his word imagine that God keeping his word how about that and they did for Sarah exactly what he promised. 
She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God had said it would. When did it happen? When God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham was now how old? 100, the ripe age of 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. For all who hear about this, they're going to laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby, and yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? Twenty-five years went by before the promise came. Did Abraham falter through that? He did. But who did he turn to during his mess-ups? The Lord. Who reassured him that he was still with him and he wasn't going to leave him? And he said, I'm going to fulfill what I have for you, the Lord. Some of you might be here today feeling like, man, I have my past, it's, it's, it's sketchy. You, want, you don't want to see my rap sheet. <laughs> you don't want to see all the stuff I've done and gotten away with, so to speak. I mean, come on, let's face it, but if it weren't for the grace of God, where, where, where would we be? I, don't want, I, don't, I hate to even think about that. But it's true, God's hand, God's grace in our life. And Abraham found himself in this place. Today, I want to tell you, have hope for your past. Because in your past, God has promised you that he is with you and he's for you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. But do it his way. Get yourself to a place to believe him, to trust in him, just to do life God's way. When you do life God's way, friend, I'm telling you, God won't lie. God comes through with his word. Doesn't mean it will be easy. Does not mean you will not go through some things. It doesn't mean you won't have to change, because you will. We all do. But all that is so that God's perfect plan can come to pass in our life. I remember when Haley and I... We're trying to get pregnant with our first child. We had struggles. We went through about three or four years not able to conceive. And we visited fertility doctors just to see what was happening. And they told us, you have less than a 25% chance of, of, of ever becoming pregnant, either artificially or naturally. And so we're like, whoa, okay, what's up with that? You say back in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. It's part of, part of God's plan. Okay, Lord, what do you have? We struggled through that time. I can't tell you how many baby showers Haley went to, having to take a gift, knowing inside she was hurting, wanting one of her own. Countless baby showers, countless well, Haley came across a scripture in Hebrews 11, 11. Let me read it to you. It says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Hebrews 11, 11. In fact, a couple of Christmases ago, I got that scripture on a pretty cool decorative piece that's hanging on our mantle with our three girls' pictures beside it, a sign of remembrance, a sign of the promise. 
that God came through when He said it would. In June of 20, 2006, we had our first, and now we have three, as you know. I don't know what you're hoping for, believing God for in your life today, but I want to I challenge your faith, and I want to encourage you in your faith. Stand on God's Word, because that is what will build your faith. That is what will not leave you high and dry, but that is what will fill you with hope. If you, you need freedom, you need deliverance, you're believing God for salvation, you're believing God for an increase in, 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 in your finances at home and your sowing and giving and all those things, believing for healing, whatever it is, stand on God's word, believe him because he will come to pass. It will be in his time. So between now and his time, follow him the way he says to follow him. Amen? Hope present. Wow. Hope present. Interesting story. Rahab and Joshua. It's a story about a girl named Rahab. She was a prostitute. The story goes, a lot of you are familiar with it, Joshua and the Israelites were about to take over conquering the, the promised land, but they had to take Jericho. And God had already went ahead before them and was letting the word spread that, hey, I am for my people. Don't stand in their way because this is where they belong. This is what they will have. So Joshua sent forth two spies into, the, into, into Jericho, and he said, you need to search it out, search it high and low. And so they came into Jericho. They stopped off at Rahab's place, the prostitute, for the night. Now, if you stop there... And you don't finish reading, you'll take uh, too much liberty with, with life. But the story goes on. It was common for people to stop there, so the spies understood that. And so the king found out that there were spies in the land. And they were scared because they knew that if God was on their side, and he knew all about the things that had happened prior, that they didn't stand a chance. And they were scared. And so the king told Rahab, hey, bring out those spies that have come in. We know they're there with you. And she's like, hey. She found herself at a crossroads. Her choice would determine her destiny. She could either choose to turn over the spies and please the earthly king, or she could choose to hide them and please the heavenly king. And she chose to hide the spies. She told the king they, they were gone. They were nowhere around. She hid them. They had a conversation about how it was going to work out. And she told the spies, she said, Look, our hearts have melted because of what your God can do. And basically she said, I put my faith in your God. And what happened? Joshua chapter 6, it's on the screen, verse 23. It says, they, the, Joshua and the Israelites invaded Jericho, and it says, the men who had been spies went in, brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all her other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel, a picture of salvation. And then the Israelites burned down the town and everything in it and only the things 
made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So, verse 25, So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Because she chose to do life God's way, God moved her life forward to where it needed to be. Her present condition, her present circumstance, her present situation. She was, she was not in a good place anyway, selling herself like that, but she wasn't going to be in a, in a good place the next day or two when the Israelites came in because they were going to destroy the entire town. And God was going to see to it that his plan would unfold. But here's the great thing. He used this woman, this prostitute, Rahab. And many of us might have some ugly present times. We might have some present conditions in our own heart. Some things we're just trying to get over. Some things we would like to change about ourselves, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. We don't really want people to know. But God says, if you will choose to just trust me, do life my way, I'll change your present situation and I'll put your life where it needs to be. The decision, a choice, might not be easy. But I'll tell you this, it'll be well worth it. It'll be well worth it. You see, as you sit here today, there, this present hope that you might have in your heart and your mind, it might not seem to be enough to, to just change things. You might be in a place where you say, I just hope that stuff would change. Man, I just hope something would be different. I just hope that something would give. I just hope that my life would turn out better. And you might find yourself having that thought, maybe even saying something along those lines, but you feel like, man, no, no matter what, it's not changing. Nothing is, 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 is giving. And here's what I want to tell you today about, about your life today, where you are. Hope in God, because God doesn't disappoint. You hear me? Hope in God, because God doesn't disappoint. Hope future. Talked about our hope past. We all have a past. Talked about hope present. Having hope where we currently sit. Where we currently are positioned. Might not really be able to see around the corner yet. But hope future. It's an interesting story. David. King David. David Here's this, David and Rahab are both in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and you read this first 18, 19 verses, it tells you the line and lineage of, of, of Jesus Christ. 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus, 42. And you'll see Rahab, you'll see David. Rahab, I believe, if I looked at it right, David's great-great-grandmother. And who was she again? 
She was a prostitute. And she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world? What? God is in the business of saving lives and bringing redemption. David, come on. I know David was known for some great stuff. He surely was. He was a shepherd, a good one. He was a singer, a great one. He was a songwriter. Awesome. David was also a a sword bearer. He was a, a sling thrower. He was a giant slayer. He was a king of Israel. But David was also a big sinner. David found himself in a tough spot. He hooked up with a lady named Bathsheba. He thought she was fine. And he said, then she must be mine. And so he hooked it up. He said, he's the king. He set it up. He's like, hey, I got to have her. You know, you watch this stuff on TVs and movies. I know you do. But it just, it didn't stop there. She conceived, and he's like, oh, man, that's not good. Had her husband killed in battle, who was a, who was a soldier for him? I mean, talk about a story of stories. This would be great on soap operas and stuff. So David found himself in a tough spot. The child passed. David ended up marrying Bathsheba. They conceived, gave birth to Solomon, who was the next king. And he had great wisdom, Solomon did. But David found himself confronted, confronted by truth. Now that, 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 when you and I, when we're confronted by truth, what do we do with it? Come on, how do we handle it? The truth about our hearts. See, we can get all fancy and glamorous and commercialistic in our outward self about Christmas. Put on the smile and sing the songs and put out the lights. Be festive. But we can find ourselves like Charlie Brown, empty. Because we're still wanting to know, what is all of this about? Jesus brings hope for our future. And like David, he was faced with the reality of what will my life look like from here on out. I could go down in history as an awful, horrible king. Or this could all turn around. If I would yet just humble myself before God and face the truth that, yeah, what I'm being told is right. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to fake it, not going to pretend it. It's absolutely true. What you told me, Prophet Nathan, is absolutely right about my heart. So David wrote Psalm 51. And right in the middle, verse 10, Create in me 
a clean heart. Oh God. Renew a loyal, steadfast, and right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, whatever you do where I'm at, make my heart clean again. Make it clean again. And Lord, make my spirit within me be loyal to you again. That I would not turn from you. That I would not do what I've just done and committed adultery and committed murder and lies and cover-ups and all these things. Create in me a clean heart again. Because I want my future to mean something. I want my future to count. And it went down in history that David fulfilled the purposes of God for his generation. That's what was said about David. What about us? What do we want it to be said about us, about our future? I want good things to be said about my future. That when it's over and done with, Jesus comes back or I go to him. That it said, hey, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You fought the good fight. You kept the faith. You finished the race. And now I have a crown of righteousness to put on your head. Wow. You see, David had a choice. If his future was ever going to be bright again and him have hope again, that he had to humble himself, face the truth, and ask the Lord. God and mean it created me a clean heart you see David got it right that's how David made it into the line and lineage of Jesus he got it right oh he did he get it wrong something yeah but here's the deal he got it right he got it right and you and I can get it right too we might falter and fall like Abraham try to do things in our own way we might be in a present condition situation that we don't really like about ourselves like Rahab. And we might have some things that we try to cover up in our hearts like David. But the one thing that changes it all, the one thing that turns it all around, is to put our hope in Jesus Christ. That He loves. That He forgives. He is merciful. He is faithful. And He will stick with you when all others leave you. Jesus will not desert His own. And you see, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about having hope. Church, I pray today that you and I, we would have hope again. We would not have hope in the natural things of man, that we would not have hope in the natural systems of man, but we would have hope in the everlasting kingdom that never ends. The one who rules it is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace, Jesus Christ, the perfect 
ruler and the perfect redeemer who's not ashamed of anyone, especially you. You see, Jesus is Lord over our past. He reigns over our present. And He is sovereign over our future. So you and I don't have to be jaded by our past. We don't have to be disappointed by our present. And you and I don't have to live discouraged about our future if we will put our hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Today marks the beginning of this Advent season. Let's pray out. Let's bow our heads. I simply pray this over all of us here today. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, would fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust Him. Can you just say that into yourself to the Lord? I trust you, God. I trust you for salvation. I trust you for my life. I trust you for my healing. I trust you for my finances. I trust you for my family. I trust you for my soul. I trust you for my destiny. I trust in you. Just tell him I trust in you. And I pray then you will overflow in abundance and overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. May your lives be rich, be full, and be filled with an overflowing abundance of the presence of God that brings hope to your heart, that brings help to your life, that brings strength to you, and that brings you to the right place where you need to be with the Lord in your own heart, in your soul, with your life. That today you would find yourself not trying to play catch up with God, but you would just trust Him today with whatever it is you are, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you have going on, trust in Him today and put all hope in Jesus Christ. And may He seal your life with the promise of the Holy Spirit that will fill you completely and sustain you eternally. In Jesus' name.